you will be getting ready for Christmas just like we will be getting ready for Christmas in here. So it is a good, good morning with lots of opportunities. I'd like to remind us of our Advent wreath over here and the various candles that have been lit throughout the season. If you recall, back on the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. And it came from Isaiah chapter 7, where we were reminded of Emmanuel being God with us. And I will reread that today from Matthew. Uh, There was hope in the name of Emmanuel. And then we read about the Prince of Peace in Isaiah chapter 9. He will be called the Prince of Peace. And so we were reminded of the hope and of the peace. And then last week we we celebrated the joy the joy of the season, the joy of his coming, and he represents joy, and so we lit the candle of joy. And then this week, we are reminded that he is also the God of love, the God who had a plan from the beginning of time and came to earth out of sheer love. If you look at the story From the Old Testament to the New and you look at the state of fallen man and you look at the way we treated God, there was nothing to compel him to do what he did that we are reminded of this season. Nothing other than his sheer love for us. And so we are reminded today by lighting this candle of love of what Jesus represents for us in the world. We have one more candle, come back on Christmas Eve, and we get to light that candle and celebrate together. What I have here is a message that I have prepared on Wednesday. What I have here is a different message. And... I don't exactly know how it's going to come out of here. Every now and then, we talk about making room for the Holy Spirit to speak something different than what we've prepared. And it's not different in the sense of all the music we've sung and the prayers that we've prayed. It's just a little different than maybe I thought when I was preparing. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 says this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, 
and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. That was from the New Living Translation. The verse that is on my heart and the verse that I can't escape this week is verse 19. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. A question was asked in a devotional that I was reading. And that question had to do with that verse. And that question was something like this. It was, has there ever been something that so disturbed you Or is there anything in your life now that so disturbs you that you just don't know what to do with it? It's a disorienting kind of problem. It's a disorienting kind of scenario. And the reason that that is sticking with me so much is because I feel disoriented this holiday season. And I feel like I can relate to Joseph in a way that I haven't been able to relate to this story in a long time. And that particular verse is just sticking with me. Joseph was a good man. And he was trying to figure out how to make sense of something that just doesn't Makes sense. He was absolutely and utterly disoriented. This woman, this young woman, pledged to be his wife, is found to be pregnant. There is no rational explanation. There is no earthly explanation other than all the ones that we know make sense of course there is only one way for a woman to get pregnant he doesn't know how but he knows she is and he is left to wonder but he's a good man and he doesn't want to expose her to public disgrace, which is surely what she would have experienced. And he is left disoriented. What do I do with things that just don't make sense? This week we experienced the impeachment of our president. 
This week on Thursday evening, a school board voted to lay off 109 school teachers. The world doesn't make a lot of sense right now to me. Christianity Today's editor published an article some of you might have read calling for the impeachment of the president. And the fault lines in the evangelical world were revealed. And my heart breaks. My heart breaks because I see within our church those same fault lines. People don't know how to talk to one another right now. People that you're sitting next to are afraid of what you might think of them. That's not how the church should be. It's not how the church should be. For so long, I have believed that we could be something different as a church. That we, the people of God, could be the people of God in the church and in the world. And the disorienting element of what I'm seeing play out in the world where you and I are interacting with our friends and our neighbors and our families, the disorienting element is that I can't be myself anymore. I can't be the people of God. I can't be the person that I think God is calling me to be because somebody will vilify me for it. And it doesn't matter which side I'm on. On Thursday, I didn't know what was going on in my own heart. On Thursday morning, I had this strong sense that I should post something to pray for Superintendent Terry Dade. He's the superintendent of the Rochester City School District. And all day long I wrestled with that because I was saying to myself, if I post that, somebody's going to think that I stand against the Rochester Teachers Association, that I stand against the teachers because I'm praying for the superintendent and I want to pray for the school board because it is tremendously hard to lead that monolith of an organization that is teaching 28,000 children in our schools. It is so hard to lead an organization that can't balance its budget. He is under tremendous pressure. And my heart went out to him. How do you do the job that he's doing without people supporting and praying and lifting you up? But again, I held back because I was afraid. I was afraid that somebody would think that I was taking a side. But this morning, there are 109 teachers that are slated to lose their jobs as of January 1st. 
And my heart goes out to them because it's Christmas. It's a season. People are losing their jobs. And it's awful. I'm not here to take a side. I'm here to be the people of God. I'm here to bring the hope of Jesus Christ. I'm here to bring and live and do things a different way. Which is not one side or the other. My heart breaks. I can relate to Joseph. I'm just disoriented. What do I do? This doesn't make any sense. I want to be the people of God in the world that so desperately needs His love and His hope and His grace and His mercy. I want to be the people of God living out my convictions and my faith, but I want to do it alongside of other people who are living out their convictions and faith. And right now, the church is being divided by the world. And I don't know what to do. So I stand before you this morning three days before Christmas, pouring out my heart to you and saying it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be like this. I can only imagine what the people of Jesus' time were feeling, looking at the occupation of the Romans and looking at the way they were displaced and dispossessed over so many centuries, and looking at the story of their lives being exiled and coming back, but being under occupation and not really knowing how to live out their faith except that they had to align themselves with certain political positions, and that some people felt they had to align themselves with Rome, and others said, no, we need to stand against Rome. And there was all this political division. God came in the middle of all of that. He sent his son into the middle of all that strife and anguish and pain and hurt and trial and struggle. He said, this this is my son. And you're going to name him Jesus. Because he's going to save his people, the people from their sins. Because we live in a fallen and a broken world. And some of us have certain views about how the world is going to be fixed. If I just align myself with this person or that person, if I just take this stand or that stand, if I just find myself in the right side of the aisle, I'll figure it all out. And the world will be a better place. And we have story after story after story throughout the ages, throughout church history where people have tried that and it doesn't work. Because there is only one kingdom that stands outside of it all and that kingdom was ushered in through Jesus Christ. It is the kingdom of God. And so we don't align ourselves so closely with one side or the other. We don't take stands on one side or the other. We take a stand that puts Jesus Christ right in the center. And we proclaim His name and we help the poor and we serve those who are in need and we make a difference in this world for sure. 
Because his kingdom of God has come. It is here. It is for now. It is not some future thing. He ushered it in now. So we make a difference. But we make a difference because he is Emmanuel. God with us. His name is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. I've done some reading this semester. I've done a lot of reading around Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Karl Barth. They lived in a tumultuous time. The lead up to World War II. Living in Germany. Watching the rise of Nazism. Please don't hear me. I'm not making comparisons. I want you to see that Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Karl Barth, Reinhold Niebuhr, others, they have watched cultures align themselves on one side or the other, become too closely aligned and not realized how much they were getting changed in the process. The church was losing its soul. The church lost its soul because it was selling out to the world. And they called people to account. And people didn't want to hear it. People were like, it's okay. It's going to be all right. The great theologian Karl Barth came back years later after hearing Dietrich Bonhoeffer's plea to help the Jewish people. And he said, you know what? He was right. We should have done more. And I hear that echoing in my heart and in my mind as we walk through these days of tumult and change and struggle. I say the church should have done more. We should have done more to stand for the truth of what Jesus Christ represents. We should have done more to call out the things that aren't right and to stand for the things that are right. We should have done more. I hear those things echoing because the church has been through this before, folks. We are not new this age, this day. It's different, but it's not new And we must call ourselves to account. We don't worship people. We don't worship ideologies. We don't worship our politics or our positions or our social justice positions. We don't worship any of that. We worship Jesus Christ. told you before i'm not here to tell you which side you should be on that's not the point the point is that when you are on a side and it prevents you from from being one with your brother or your sister it's wrong because we are one under one kingdom under one lord under one savior under one god we learned all about that in ephesians we just went through that whole process of learning about the church and what the church should be what the church is what god called us to be and it is one one we don't stand to tear each other down to rip each other apart to say things that we know you wouldn't even say when you're in person but we say it we must stand together Joseph was a good man. 
and he was disoriented. And he didn't know what to do. So he made up his mind and he had a plan and he figured it out and he was going to do a certain thing and then revelation came. The angel of the Lord came to him and said, no, that's not the plan. You're not going to divorce her. You're not going to send her away quietly. You're not going to do your plan. This is my plan. The plan that God gave to Joseph, reminded him of, is the same plan that he has for you and me. And that is Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, to save us all from our sins. To be the light of the world. To be the salt of the earth. To make an impact in this world in the ways that he made the same kind of impact. He turned the world upside down. But he never aligned himself with any political party. He turned the world upside down doing the things that God called him to do. He upended the social order because he cared about the poor, the voiceless, the people that were nameless, that were faceless to everybody else in the world. He knelt down in the sand and took care of them. He changed the entire World, We're here 2,000 some years later because he changed the entire world. That little baby born in a manger, born 2,000 years ago, changed everything. But he came to call us to be one. One kingdom, one Lord, one Savior, one Christ. And the church for 2,000 years has stood on the bedrock, the firm foundation of that truth. Think about the fears that Joseph had. It's all disorienting, right? He doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't know what's going on. Think about the fears that were driving him. What will people think? What will people think of me? What will people think of her? What is this all about? And There's so much fear that drives our relationships these days. So much fear. It's so disorienting. Except that Jesus came... Except that he fulfilled all the truth and all the promises that were foretold in the Bible. Except that he changed everything. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph couldn't have comprehended all of that in the moment, but he believed. An angel of the Lord spoke to him. Now that would be pretty convincing, I agree. I don't stand before you claiming to be any angel this morning. I just stand before you as your pastor who cares about you. And I don't want to see this world tear apart the beautiful, loving relationships that we have worked so hard to build. I don't want to see the world tear apart the witness that we can have to the people that are looking at the church and they're looking for hope and peace and love. 
just don't want to see the world change our character and our DNA. Joseph had a choice. Do I believe? Do I go ahead and do what the angel tells me to do? Or do I follow my own plan? And I think maybe that's our choice this morning. Do we follow Jesus Christ? Do we stand up for that one church, that one kingdom, that one Lord, Savior, and Christ? Do we stand together united? Or do we allow the world to change who we are? To divide us? These are disorienting times. Very, very difficult times. And I stand before you not having it all figured out. It's why I'm so disoriented. But I have history ringing in my ears. I have the Bible ringing in my ears. And I'm trying to make sense of what the Lord is saying to us as we enter into Christmas in three days. Jesus came. Jesus is coming again. Advent is this uncomfortable place of being caught in the middle. We know he came. He says he's coming again, and I declare to you, I believe that. I believe many of you believe that too. Who will we be? What will we as his bride look like when he descends from heaven to join with us? What will this world look like when he descends from heaven? What impact will we have made on this world when Jesus comes back to make us one with him again? And he will come back. He will come down to be with us. He made this world. This is his creation. We are his stewards. We are his bride. We are his ambassadors, his representatives, whatever you want to say. We are here to make this world look like that world under his guidance, under his sovereign control and will. This world needs to reflect him. We are that reflection. I just encourage all of us. I can't go through this holiday season not acknowledging the pain and the discomfort and the uncomfortable nature of the discord that is out there all around me. I just can't. I can't go through it. And all season long, I've been trying to figure out how to tap into it, and I didn't realize I didn't have to go very far. It's already in here. It's uncomfortable. That's what Advent is all about. It's the discomfort. But it's also about the hope. 
you are to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Church, what is conceived inside of us is from the Holy Spirit. We are different. And what is conceived in us needs to be birthed in the world around us. The joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the self-control, that same Holy Spirit that is birthed inside of you, the world needs to experience. The church is the answer to the things that the world is looking for. But it can only be the answer if we are the people of God that he's called us to be. If we are filled with the same Holy Spirit that descended upon those people in the early part of Acts. That Holy Spirit that birthed something that they couldn't contain. That same Holy Spirit that bore witness to the world. That Jesus Christ came, he died, but he rose again, and he will come again. That same Holy Spirit must be at work within each of us in this Advent, this Christmas. That's what we need to be reminded of. Take Mary home. What's in her is from me. And when she gives birth, call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He has come to save us. When you're tempted to throw the first stone, stand back. When you're tempted to call somebody out for being on the wrong side of something, stand back and look at yourself and say, what has God done for me? He came to save me. have it all figured out but I'm telling you this morning that I want to be on the journey with you I don't want to be taking sides against you we are one and we're working this out we're trying to figure it out together in the same way Joseph was trying to figure it out with Mary, in the same way the early church was trying to figure out who Jesus was, in the same way the church has been working this out for 2,000 years, you and I are on this journey together. And this season is disorienting. God speaks into our hearts and into our lives to remind us of exactly what he did and who he's called us to be. Let's make sure we're listening to him more than any voice that's out there in the world. Open your Bible this coming week and read it before you read anything in the news. Be reminded of who Jesus is. Be reminded of who he came to be. Be reminded of who he has called his church to be. Open up the Bible this week. Before you flip open your phone, tablet or your computer 
pull out one of these because it's too easy opening up the phone to get distracted. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Pull out an old school black ink on white paper Bible and read it first. And be reminded. I love you. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish this season wasn't like what it is right now. I wish we weren't embroiled in all this turmoil. But we are. And it's okay. Because Jesus is who he says he is. We're going to give you some time to reflect. And then I will come back and close us in prayer after we sing one more song. Heavenly Father, I don't claim to have said perfectly what's on my heart today. But I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have spoken to the hearts, through the ears and minds of those who are sitting here, and those who will hear this over the airwaves. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak your truth into their hearts and to their minds. I do believe that you have called us to be a light to this world, to be salt to this earth. You have called us to be something different. And it is not because of who we are, but only and solely because of who you are. And this season is the season that we remind ourselves of exactly what you came to do, the incarnation Becoming Emmanuel, becoming God with us for just such a time as this, all throughout history, reminding us, Lord Jesus Christ, of your hope, of your grace, of your love, and of your peace. Lord Jesus, I pray that we will be the people of peace that you have called us to be. I pray that we will be the people of love that you have called us to be. I pray that we will be the people of hope that you have called us to be. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, work within us, renew us, remind us that your kingdom has come, that your will can and is being done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord Jesus, as we reflect right now, may our hearts and our lives be filled with renewed hope and love and joy and peace. Stir our hearts to a renewed faith. We love you. In Jesus' name.